This is Sending Signals, a show about music and creativity. I'm your host, Matt Royal. So I'm speaking to Jana and Daniel. Nice to meet you. How was your day today? Was it good? Yeah, I actually recorded some new stuff uh, for my solo project. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah, we have holidays here in Russia now uh, from uh, the end of December to, I think, 9, uh, January 9. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 10 days. <laughs> Of what, what's your solo project called? I haven't released uh, anything yet, so I, I don't have a name yet. I, I, I'm thinking about it. How does it sound? Is it quite a different sound to the uh, band? Yeah, actually, I, well, I really want to change the sound a little bit. Uh, so it would be my own sound something like that uh but uh, i i already used to play in in the band and we have already established sound so it's it's a little bit uh you know difficult to move do you have another project daniel as well uh no i don't have uh i just try i have a lot of post rock tracks uh or not for Blankenberg. It will be released someday. No. No? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, Blankenberg uh, is uh, considering music, it's Daniel's uh, band because he uh, writes all the music and I write only lyrics and vocals. And uh, I just want to create something that would be mine. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, talking about everything for a minute, mm -hmm. um, it's, a, it's a wonderful album. Thank you so much. <laughs> did, you have, did you have a particular goal in mind when you started making it? Did you have um, a kind of mission statement for what you wanted to accomplish with the album? Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's our thing that uh, we compose too much for songs for the album and then we take the songs extra songs and just uh, it it became another album like it's moving like this uh continuously mm -hmm. wow uh, usually uh we don't have uh how to say completed picture of the album uh, we have some tricks and uh, I try to add uh, track, uh, some track uh, which can connect uh, all songs, and it it's and and it starts uh, to sound more uh, complete. Complete, yeah. <laughs> So 
so a lot of the material for everything may have been around when you made more so it's almost like a continuous process yeah right exactly uh we uh we wrote f first two songs uh the song everything and the song so high uh, right after the album more was released mm. in 2019 and uh, we just mm. kept uh, creating so that's how it when you write a song um do you sort of create a demo and have you worked out what the drum beat is going to be and what the bass part is uh, how much influence does the band have on the song after you've written it I have some different way to create some songs. For example, for uh, album more, we created uh, a lot of tracks uh, together with a drummer Sergey. I just play played uh, some loop or melody recorded to a looper and Sergey just uh, was improvising and I try, tried to play for example another uh, another mm -hmm. dimension for example he he plays one two three four I and I play one two three four five one two three four five and it sounds like math math rock yeah and i add some shoegaze guitar and it sounds like yeah a more it, it makes more interesting album. something yeah. interesting yeah то есть как бы я погружаюсь в процесс и у меня будут эти мелодии появляться только после того как я как бы в этом процессе уже долго в смысле на одной репетиции или ну, несколько дней? Ну, несколько дней, да, или недель. Угу. Вы... Вы дайвинг? Или, как сказать, иммерс? Когда он иммерс в процессе создания песни, um he has to um the как тебе надо про sorry I, I didn't understand what his how uh, he describes it even in russian <laughs> <laughs> and i can't translate it <laughs> because it's really difficult <laughs> it's, it's quite abstract yeah yeah okay yeah all right there uh, have to be uh it is uh it will stay a mystery yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> Um, I'm interested how you discovered a lot of the shoegaze and post-rock bands that influenced you. Did it did it come from the sort of growing Russian shoegaze scene itself, or did it did you discover things from when you you travelled, or has the internet just made it easier to discover new music now in Russia? I think all the ways uh, it's uh, of course internet made it easier and also uh, do you know this resource last fm uh, the oh, yeah. website 
Yeah, we used it uh, very, very uh, often back back then, and uh, we just met some people there, just discovered what people are listening to, and somehow we discovered this post-rock and uh, shoegaze bands like My Bloody Valentine, Slow Dive, uh, also ambient things like uh, do you know uh, the one-man project Arctica? Um, oh, okay, I don't know. Yeah, it's really cool. Also, a lot of bands, uh, and uh, we we started to create something uh, when we were living in Siberia. Mm. Uh, Daniel has several bands. Uh, uh, like hardcore and uh, post-rock bands uh, and I also played in some bands uh, after that we just started to play together because we were dating and we just uh, spent we spent time together and it was like a fun process to create something together <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's how we started to play Shugase. And also in 2014, uh, maybe you know the band Binkrani Ultra Blast from yeah, Russia. Yeah, I, I love them. I saw them. I saw them live when they came to England a few years ago. Yeah. When um, when they still had because I didn't I didn't like their third album so much, but I saw I saw them when they still had the drummer and sort of mm -hmm. doing a full band thing and uh yeah i i loved their first couple of albums yeah so uh, they released their album how how this called everything else everything, else, everything matters. else matters yeah yes and uh, it was famous here in russia too okay mm, like uh not uh, like some pop stars but <laughs> uh in our between musicians you know yeah. uh and uh, we just thought uh, these these guys uh, can make it why can't we so we started to play something like this yeah yeah it's really interesting from like an outsider perspective be being in england feeling like oh there's now sort of a generation that uh kind of partly influenced by pink shiny ultra blast it's it, it's sort of interesting to see how things yeah how things kind of spread out and influence each other in what's maybe kind of an, a, a sort of a new scene i'm guessing there probably wasn't a huge shoegaze scene in the early 2000s in, in russia maybe it's kind of but maybe there was and it was like just massively underground and pink shiny ultra blast kind of were the first band to kind of break out a little bit I don't know. Yeah, but uh, yeah, we have here some shoegaze bands, but also we see, uh, you know, the tendency that uh, the ter termine shoegaze is like everywhere and uh, something that doesn't sound like shoegaze for us. Yeah. <laughs> they call it shoegaze and it's a little bit weird. Yeah. It's it, it this uh, word became popular, yeah. and it's it's um, we and don't really like it. And I think <laughs> after the movie uh, "Beautiful Noise" about Shugis, it was it's it became uh, it even became more, more popular. popular. Yeah. yeah, it was two thousand fourteen or. Okay, I haven't seen that movie. I need to see that. Ah, oh, uh, I like this. That, that's that's something like uh, a documentary about yeah. uh, uh, my bloody Valentine. Uh, about that? first bands. first generation of shoegaze mm. band. Oh, excellent! What is the scene like in St. Petersburg? Is is there lots of places to play? Is is it is it a difficult environment to be a band there, or do you have um, does, does it feel like there's a lot of freedom there 
now to sort of be creative and, and play shows? It's not difficult. When uh... we were uh, young, hmm. uh, just just start. <laughs> Sorry. What? We uh, are young. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I mean, we're still young. <laughs> no, no, I mean, we just started and we tried to play in every gig, uh, which we yeah before were even before called. our first uh, album radio gaze we played like every month uh, yeah. in St. Petersburg yeah it was crazy we I just created we songs and played it <laughs> in uh, every instantly. club I think yeah in every uh, like small club <laughs> yeah but we didn't organize uh, the gigs we just uh, we were invited for example for uh, three or five bands in one evening uh, but after the first tour in 2018 we started trying to organize our our gigs and yeah, we will, we, we will play alone or with some bands that we like, uh, not just with uh, some random uh, bands that. Yeah, I think it's not difficult to organize, just try to find uh, the Just place. know some people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I want to play here and uh and play just, yeah just that's play. it and we also met some really good people that helped us uh to promote our music uh, they made some uh promotions and even some gigs for yeah. us we uh also uh went on to European tours uh, with the help of a really good guy that we knew before. Uh, is uh, yeah, he's actually from also from Siberia, but now lives in Europe and make gigs <laughs> there. And it's it just went uh, great, but. Uh, when COVID came, we yeah we didn't play uh, any shows yet because we are we are me and Daniel we are really serious about COVID and uh, we don't really you know uh, want to play on shows and yeah that's understandable. Just, uh, yeah. Yeah, it just make it easier to COVID to spread uh, is, yeah, it's really difficult. <laughs> yeah. Have you yeah. played in the UK That's... before? You, you've played Europe, but did you, did you come to the UK? No. Uh, no. <laughs> no. For UK, we have to make a special visa. Yeah. And we, we should make work, work visa. Right. Yeah, 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 like invitation for work, uh, the same situation with the USA. And now it's even harder to yeah. get it. Yeah, I know COVID. people who tried to go to UK. Uh, they yeah, they spent concerts. A... Yeah, but uh, they didn't get visa, but all concerts we are uh, organized yeah oh, well I hope you make it one day yeah me too <laughs> yeah we planned a UK tour before COVID but now we yeah we don't know uh, <laughs> when when it happens yeah I was very disappointed because uh, I, I went to a uh, I had a look on your Bandcamp page and the vinyl for everything was, was already sold out 
So uh, is it there's going to be a second pressing though? Is there next year? Yeah, of course, and uh, there will be a lot of vinyl uh, next year. We ordered like uh, one thousand of them, uh, mm -hmm. but uh, we didn't want to sell it like pre-order because you know uh, we have. Uh, difficult situation with customs in Russia and uh, it's we don't know how it will go <laughs> with all this stuff and we just don't want to sell something in advance uh, so we just uh, sold like uh, one uh, 150 just to raise money for uh, another repress because people need it and we just want to uh, give <laughs> give this opportunity to everyone to uh, buy a vinyl So, so when will when will more copies be available to buy? Do you think? Uh, I think it will be in somewhere in March. Okay. Because uh, the factory that uh, that's uh, providing the vinyl to us, uh, it uh, yeah, they say that it will be here in march or so so yeah. we we are waiting <laughs> yeah is it a um is it a russian company that are pressing the vinyl or do you get it done abroad and, and no in? yeah that's the hardest thing that we don't have a vinyl factory here mm -hmm. vinyl pressing plant yeah. uh, so we have to order it somewhere from outside russia and it it has to <laughs> You know move uh, through customs twice yeah. <laughs> to us and then back out from us and <laughs> it's a little bit difficult here yeah yeah uh, because you know uh vinyl is not popular in russia yet it's mm, yeah it's uh the interest is raising mm. but uh not really fast uh it's it's not so popular like uh in the usa and in europe the uk so we i think that's why we don't have a pressing plant here yeah is there a good is there a good record shop in st petersburg at least yeah of course mm. uh, we have some shops and we also sell our vinyl there yeah in st petersburg yeah Oh. We have some good friends there. Oh, excellent. Oh, very good. So have you started work on the follow-up to everything yet? Have you sort of carried on working? Is there, is there new songs starting to happen already? Yeah. Uh, as always, we had some extra songs that uh, weren't included, included in this album. And they sounded... Uh, you know a little bit differently uh, from these songs from the album everything so we decided to move them just keep them to the another album and uh, uh, it will be i think it will be more like experimental because uh, this album everything is uh, quite uh, similar to our previous sound, uh, like in two previous albums, and it will be something different. Uh, We're going to uh, play some synthesizers and uh, uh, not really, you know, electronic or something like Pincranial Traplast or <laughs> uh, I don't know um, another example, uh, but. Um, 
yeah, it will be something a little bit different, I guess. Right. Oh, I'm um, I'm excited to see what comes next, and uh, yeah, I hope I can get a uh, everything vinyl soon. <laughs> um, yeah. It was really nice to talk to you. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Take care. Okay. Bye. 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 If you're enjoying the show and would like to help me out, could you recommend it to a friend? Or check out the sizable back catalogue of nearly 50 episodes. You could also follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter at Signals Podcast and Instagram at Sending Signals Podcast. Thanks so much. Steve Hackett is becoming something of a regular on the podcast. This is his third appearance on the show. Hot off the heels of the excellent Seconds Out and More Tour last year, he's announced yet another UK tour for later this year, playing the Genesis classic album Foxtrot in full in honour of its 50th anniversary, along with selections from his extensive solo career, of course. Here's my chat with Steve. How are you, my friend? Very good, very good. Uh, I've been fine, yes. It's been uh, a very busy period. We did a 31-day tour in the UK. Yeah. Managed to pull that off. We managed to do about four in Scandinavia and... No, actually, even more than that um, in Scandinavia and a couple in France and then a couple of acoustic shows uh, this weekend. So we just drove back from East Sussex. So it's been, yeah, it's been it's been damn good. Yeah. I guess it must have felt quite stressful because it only takes one member of your band to test positive and yes. then you're, you're in trouble. Yeah. Yes. But then you lose a hun- hundreds of thousands of pounds. Yes, with cancelled shows, and and so the level of investment that it requires to put on a rock show at this level um, is is extraordinary. Uh, you have to front it so much money, and then if anything goes wrong, um, there's no comeback because there's no insurance at this time of, of that. But then you know you have to renew your commitment to the to the. Um, so the idea of music, the genre, and, and, and everything, say, no, I know, I, I, I really need to do this. I really need to, um, even if it sets us back. Um, so we came and saw you in um, Southampton at the Mayflower. Right. It was kind of last minute, because you weren't, you, I live in South End, and you, you weren't doing South End this time round. And um, yeah, with COVID, I wasn't sure if I was going to catch you this time, but we were, yes. we were supposed to see Genesis on the Monday. And then, because yes. those shows got pulled last minute, yes. my wife had taken time off, and so it was like, "Where's where, where's Hackett playing?" And so we, yes. we we made we made a we made a trip down to Southampton for a couple of days. So yeah, um, I was yeah. really glad I was, I got to see um, I got to see the tour. Yeah, it, it was interesting because um, I did something for the Daily Mirror at one point. I got interviewed by them, and um, they said, oh, you know, how do you feel about you know, the Genesis stuff? You know, they're, they're going to be touring as a band. And um, and I said, yeah, you know, I recommend that anyone who's interested in, in all things Genesis to, um, if, if they're up for it, see both bands and uh, and then get an idea of, of pretty much the whole of the Genesis canon, the whole thing, you know, see the band when it was, when it was albums, see the band when it was singles, and um, and you know make your mind up time from that. But <clears throat> a lot of people did fly in from all over to see both bands, mm. and um, we managed to honour all our commitments. We did thirty-one dates, the longest I'd ever done uh, throughout the UK, either with Genesis or without Genesis. So uh, I was very pleased to be able to pull that off. Yeah. To be honest, and I, I would say that you know I. I wish them well with their concerts, and I'm sure they wish me well with mine. Um, but we, we weren't going to appear on the same stage. Uh, that wasn't possible. My, my schedule was busier than theirs. Um, and um, so I couldn't just suddenly show up uh, for one of their shows and, and, and cheer them on. Yeah, there sometimes is this, tri- this tribalism thing, which I don't, I don't really get because, yeah, I... I'll happily go and see you, and I'll happily go and see Genesis, and I I love sure. I love I love both. And Genesis happens so infrequently um, that I ended. Yeah. I, I went opening night actually in Birmingham to see them because I just wanted to catch because it seemed everything felt so precarious, and um, yeah. I wanted to catch them as soon as possible. 
um, I didn't I didn't want to miss it, and so I went opening yes. night in Birmingham. So I ha- I had seen them. My wife hasn't seen them this run yet, but we've still got March to look forward to. The O2 show has been rescheduled, so um, yes. so we yeah. got yeah we got we got to see both. So it's so it's great. Um, just off topic, did you ever check out? Um, we had a conversation about Jack Hawkins last time. Did you ever manage to check out the Man in the Sky? I don't think I have. No, I I haven't seen that. No, not yet. Okay. Put it, come a time. Put it on your put it on your list because um, yes. yeah, yeah, I think it, I think it's marvelous. I do rather love Jack Hawkins, and I love the voice. And, yeah, and it's the voice of warm, concerned authority yeah. that he seemed to um, personify. You can't go wrong with Jack Hawkins. I think but they don't make him like that anymore. <laughs> they do. You just need to know where to look. I think it's yeah, like I, maybe I, they I, do. I think it's like music. Um, I think sometimes when people say there, there isn't great music anymore, there isn't great films, I think yes. the challenge is just like, I think either, I think some people, I'm not saying this is the case for you, because I think you are broad, broad-minded, certainly with like your musical tastes and things, but I think sometimes people reach an age where they find it hard to absorb new things. And I also think that nowadays it's harder to find what you love because there is so much yes. content. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so there are, yeah, there are wonderful movies being made. There are really, right. there are really moving, beautiful, wonderful movies out there. Yes. But yeah, that's good. And uh, but you see, what I'm after is guys who've got the music, actors who've got music in their voices. And I find that generally people are chosen, you know, for their looks and uh, and, and and what have you. Yeah. Uh, but actors who have music in in their voices, um, I think. Um, and, and a certain degree of, 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 of gravitas is what separates the men from the boys for me. Are you? So um, it, it, yeah. It, beca- it becomes harder. I, I, I quite, I quite like that. You know, the yeah. Queen's English. I need to hear people <laughs> speaking properly. <laughs> yeah, there might not be too much of that around, but no, 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 not anymore. No, no, it's it's all street cred and. Uh, I mean, Bill, 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 Bill Nye is wonderful, but he does more of like an under, yes. he does more of like an understated, like deadpan yes. dry. But I'm... it's not, it's not posh, but it might as well be. Yeah, there is some, there is something there. He's, he's normally required to play it like Bill Nye, but it would be quite nice to hear him, you know, do it with an absolutely cut glass accent. But I'm sure he's capable of, of doing. Are you working on the next album yet? Yes, I am. Yeah, I've, I've got new stuff on the go. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm about three tracks into that, but because I've been doing rather a lot of gigs, um, you know, for a few months now, um, I um, I can't wait to get back to it. Mm. I need to um, I need to flesh out some of those ideas a bit, fiddle with them, mess with these wonderful guitars that I have acquired in recent times. Is there any kind of um overarching approach this time because you've just made two very different albums from each other under the Mediterranean sky which we we talked about um which was uh, kind of orchestral and nylon guitar based and yeah. then you've made a much bigger grander record so is this is this album more akin to either of those or is it is it something totally different have have you got like a particular overarching approach in mind this time um, I haven't sat down and said to myself, this is going to be an acoustic album or an orchestral album or a rock album. I've just gone with whatever, whatever it needs. Um, but I know it sounds big and it sounds very colourful. And I think the fact that it's partly crafted in lockdown mm. means that a lot of things that you wanted to be able to say, but couldn't necessarily, um, They've gone into the making of some of these tracks, and so they do feel very full on. And um, I know they do sound rather lovely, or they, or they do to me, because there's something about it. There's each track has got to live in its own right. It's not about whether I'm doing it or whether some other geezer is doing it. It's got to it's got to have a life of its own. So, for instance, one of the tracks starts acoustically. Um, that's not the main thrust of what I'm doing because it's a rock album, but it does start acoustically with a little sort of tinkling, falling um, 
arpeggiated figure on 12 string. Uh, but at the time we, we were recording that, there was this really heavy thunderstorm going on outside. So I said to Roger, how do you feel about recording that? Like Roger King, this is. Mm. And we did. And even the thunderstorm itself sounds absolutely wonderful. It's not a sample. It's, it's one we really baked ourselves. It's, um, it's there and it sounds brilliant, this thunderstorm. It's just great. The falling rain is lovely. It's warm and it's close and it's, it's on the paving stones in the back patio and, um, and it's ricocheting around that. The thunder really rolls and it's beautiful. And um, it feels, it just feels so important. I can't tell you why, but the fact that we bothered to do it, a bit like second camera unit picking up on atmosphere that happens to be happening at that moment in time. And so it'll be an unrepeatable moment what I find interesting about that is because I was going to say to you like you're you're often very influenced by by geography and by region and because you because you get to travel so much you know that 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 informs your work very often but yeah obviously with the last tour you were kind of I guess in somewhat of a bubble and so perhaps restricted on what you could normally do but this sounds like an example of sort of environment coming to you and still yes. influencing the work it, it feels like you always have to let that in even if you're kind of in sort of lockdown and working at home yes the, the environment is still affecting right. you in some way and the, the, yes the, the environment does and um uh for instance i was i've been lent a guitar which sounds absolutely wonderful at the moment and and that's inspired me to write in a certain way. And when I was in Norfolk a few weeks ago, um, I bought a mandolin that was a copy of the mandolins that were around when it was um, the D-Day landings. And it, it's a copy of what the guys were playing at that point in time. I think it was Canadians or Americans who had these mandolins and... Um, so it's got a little bit of a story with it, you know, along with, you know, the Second World War. So it's an unusual shape and a lovely sound, tuned the same as, as, as the violin. Now, I haven't had a chance to record with this yet because I've been on the road, but you do get influenced by the toys. The toys create the games that you play. So that's part of the environment coming in. Mm. Um, and I want to be open to that. I like to, to have my... I, I like to be influenced. I like to be changed. Um, I'm very happy to do that. I don't want to always know what where I'm going, I must admit. It feels like you've achieved a great freedom now and yes. a, a, bal- a balance with like recognising that perhaps the past enables you to to tour very successfully, but it also means that you can fund new projects and bring current music as, as part of that as well and I, I think yeah. I think you've done a really good job of sort of accept like accepting the role that your past has yes. in in your name recognition you know just just from a you know a kind of brand point of view but like you're, you're using that to sort of um be able to forge forward as well and so I, I think that must be yeah you've used your past to give you freedom now which I think is yeah. a really is a really good a, like a really good attitude. Yeah, I I I had this thing that I I thought when I first did the Genesis Revisited Number One, and I was talking to Bill Bruford um, about that and John Wet, and I was I was almost apologetic, apologetic, saying, "Oh, you might think this is a bit cheesy, you know, uh, uh, doing this, uh, you know, re-recording these songs," but I felt there were certain things that that I felt could be stronger. I mean, I knew that the quality of the writing was great, but you know, it, it hadn't had, to my mind, the definitive um, uh, versions. Now, I know that a lot of this is driven by personality, so someone mm. will say, "Well, yes, I infinitely prefer the sound of Peter Gabriel's voice to someone else." Blah blah blah. But, uh, but you know, from the orchestral point of view and from the production point of view, you may have a song that sounds 
as if it was orchestral in spirit, but was played on the mellotrons, first of all. And mellotrons were wonderful and fantastic because they were that kind of psychedelic um, facsimile of, of an orchestra. So it sounded like an orchestra, but yes, it was beamed to Venus and Mars and back to you. Um, but I've used both side by side and I love what the original instruments can do. And I love what the old technology did, but I love what you know the new stuff is. So, you know, as, as Freddie Mercury said, I, I want it all and I want it now. Yes, please, can I, can I have all of that? Can I have all the wonder of then and, um, the, you know, the, uh, the beauty and, and the choices of now? So you're quite right. Yes, the, the, the past has given me the key to the future. Um, yeah. Albums have done rather well or rather better for me in terms of chart positions as I've gone back to the early stuff. And I play it sometimes side by side so by the time I'm doing Foxtrot at 50 it's 50th anniversary in, in, in 2022 um, I'll probably be doing an hour's worth of my own stuff again to sort of you know write the balance to remind people that there are things that um, are in there that um, are stage favourites in the same way as the Genesis things um, they, they've earned their place because they were product they were a product of bands that were wonderful that I had at one time. I've had these different you know, band lineups. Genesis was one of them. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because I, I've gone to see you quite a lot, primarily as a Genesis fan. But then I yeah. found I've often enjoyed your solo set, sometimes yeah. more than the Genesis set, because with a Genesis set, I know in my head, I know how things should sound. Yeah. And you, you take creative license with it sometimes, which you've got every right yeah. to do. But yeah. songs with your solo set, it's just, I'm taking it at face value. And now so songs yes. like Every Day, for example, I, yeah. lo I love hearing that live. You know, that's a highlight um, of the show. And that, that's happened because I've I've gone to see you a few times. So I'm getting kind of, yeah, it's yeah. sort of, it's forcing, it's forcing me to spend time with this material that I might have o overlooked. And so... Yeah, it's, it's, it's wonderful to be able to do that. I love doing it when uh, Amanda joins us. Yes. Then, and then you get the sunniness of the, you know, of, of her voice um, with the harmonies. And so it brings out a bit of sunshine and then she'll twin the guitar solo with me. So you get two guitarists playing it. As I, when I originally recorded it, it was uh, two, two guitars playing the same notes most of the time. So um, uh, it, it survives either way, of course. Yes, it'll, it'll survive a smaller band lineup, but, uh, that one does tend to um, does tend to go down well. Yeah. Uh, it was on that Genesis revisit, you know, where we all did solo tracks on, uh, you know, three tr solo tracks from everybody in the band, and so you know, I think it sort of brought everyone everyone into focus, in a way. Um, yeah, it's, it's 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 extraordinary that all that stuff has survived, and I do. I do like doing that stuff. Um, I like doing some of the, the better things that I've done. So if I look back over the, you know, the whole of my my, my solo stuff, um, I might not always choose the things that were the biggest hits. Mm. And the biggest hits were a Defector and, and Highly Strung, you know, and mm. in, in, in one sense. But um, uh, but then I'll be thinking of something like um, There Are Many Sides of the Night off of, off of Guitar Noir and... Um, songs like that where i was trying to do the kind of song where you felt that um, well this guy's lived you know and and it's not just it's not just rock and it's not just electric guitar it's other things it's um all sorts of things that i aspired to at that time and yeah. because i was yeah. listening to the certain songwriters of you know the quality of, of jimmy webb and jacques brel and and Leonard Cohen and wanting to do something which had the kind of um, uh, the, the strength or the poetry of, um, of those writers. Yeah. So I've told you this before, but um, Foxtrot's a very important album for me because I heard oh. it when I was about 10 years old. A family friend yes. gave me a cassette. Um, right. And it really, yeah, it was, you talk about Ben-Hur when you were sort of that kind of age having this influence on you. Well, yeah, yeah. Foxtrot was very much that for me. So, yeah. Um, yeah, the thought of you playing it in full in Southend 
in yes. 2022 is like quite is yeah is yeah. quite an exciting it's one very, it's very powerful live um attracts like um water of the skies are a very powerful live especially the the crescendo uh at the beginning yeah uh, that's hugely important and there aren't too many songs that are based on sci-fi so um <laughs> it's it's an interesting journey in that way well what's uh, what's quite exciting is live lots of times yeah because you know i've seen various tribute bands over years but there was yeah. still one or two for example i don't think i've ever seen anyone play timetable live <laughs> no and so and, um and, and and you probably won't except that you know one's doing it in its entirety yeah and, um, so, so that's that's quite that's quite an appeal. So I wondered if we could just do yes. a, a little track by track on Foxtrot. Um, yes. So I've got my, I don't know why I'm showing you this. You've, you've seen what it looks like. That's but, all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So Watch of the Skies, very famous Genesis song. So what, what do you remember about the sort of embryonic nature of that? Was it, was that one of the first songs you worked on for Foxtrot? Did it come late in the process? Um, no, I think it was one of the first because um, we just bought the Mellotron from King Crimson. Yeah. Um, we got a second-hand Mellotron from King Crimson because they had at least three. Um, I wow. Think, you know, because uh, those Mark II Mellotrons were very, very heavy, but on their first American tour, they got one trashed at, at, a, at a gig. Um, and... Um, so you know they they had spares. There was a fire in the club, and their mellotron got burnt and got covered in, you know, the fire. <laughs> fire marshal showed up with uh, with stuff, and and it got hosed. And so um, I guess there must have been some early thinking. We need spares of these in case this ever happens again. Yeah. But they they had too many. We we bought it off them. I don't know what they sold it to us for, but. I was dead keen on us getting a Mellotron. And uh, so that's really what coloured that first track, Watch of the Skies. Did the intro come first? The intro really came before the song, yes. Yeah. Um, I think it was the, the, the thing that came first of all was the Mellotron, and I'd, I'd been keen to get hold of one for the band. Then the second one, uh, and Tony had the two chords that are behind the, the, the crescendo section. Uh, and then he wrote the other stuff subsequently and some of it got pioneered at palace sports in in italy so that was its its history um where it sounded great in these grand halls these sports halls where it could really shake the foundations just the introduction alone so um compared to the album where it sounds fairly small and potted um you know, the, the live experience was different. Did you write it by jamming? Uh, yes, it is. It is largely built on jamming um, and hiccuping rhythms, which um, it's very hard to make that stuff swing. But um, yeah, you know, it's it's um, it's got all the strengths and weaknesses of progressive work. Um, it's harmonically superior. Uh, rhythmically, it's fairly controversial. Um, the second track at timetable, the, the thing that coloured it for me was the sound of the piano and guitar together, I think was was very, very important. And Tony um, playing the, the line that's the outro that um, sounds like it could have been written by Henry Mancini, but in fact, it was picking inside the body of the, uh, of the piano with a plectrum. Right. Those uh, those beautiful lines at the end, da -da -dum, bum, 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 that stuff that sounds sort of zither-like. Was that largely a Tony song? Yes. Uh, the next one, getting that by Friday, if I remember correctly, um, is basically group written. Yeah. The next one is um, Can You Touch the End of the Coastline? Well, I basically wrote the song, and um, other guys in the band wrote sections that followed, so I wrote the lyrics and the tune, the 12 string section. And then um, the other stuff was really jamming and responding to each other. So um, uh, it's a rather good tune. Horizons I wrote myself, uh, which 
is in front of Supper's Ready. Supper's Ready is, is group written with everyone kicking in with ideas. Yeah. Um, Did you try and join those sections together? Were some of them written very isolated and then it was like a jigsaw puzzle or did you kind of write it in a linear way? For Supper's Ready, um, the idea of um, doing a very long piece of work was something I was suggesting to the band. So that if they if people were into the band, they would get this great long piece of music that would seem to take a shape um, as if by telepathy. Mm section after section where the first time you heard it you would think oh how did that happen how did they get into that how did that work but you know it's a system of cues and counter cues and silent beats and various things so um once you've got the code it becomes you know it becomes rather easier to figure out how, how it was done um but i think that it's mysticism was it was important wasn't it you know not to know and now, of course, it, it, it's it's no longer it no longer has the element of surprise, merely recognition, by comparison. Do you get bored of not bored of playing it? But do you feel like when it's in a set, oh, this is twenty five minutes gone? Do you still enjoy playing it? Um, yes, I do. I do enjoy playing it, and you still have to be on your metal with it because um, even though I know it very well, each of those sections requires. Uh, a lot of memory and a lot of tap dancing for me as well with with the effects yeah uh, to be able to, to play it the way i do these days it's important to be able to jump octaves and uh, keep changing the sound keep having the guitar sound in my case morphing the whole time yeah well i'm looking forward to seeing it in Ooh. south end next year and um yeah. i should let you go mate but thank you so much for talking right. again yeah great talking to you all the best yeah, all right, man. Take care. And best of luck to your wife as well. Oh, Hope thank you. Yeah, she says hi. Works out. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. For <laughs> late lunch. Okay. All right, mate. Well, Bye. cheers, man. All the best, mate. See you, Steve. Right. Bye. Cheers. Bye-bye. And that's our show. Thanks, as always, to our guests whose opinions are their own. Thanks also this week to Sharon Chevy. Bye for now.